Goodness, greetings, especially to you, my friend. Welcome weer eens by die watergat. Ek is Peter Warren en ek nooi jou weer uit om een gouwe eer saam met my te keir rondom die levende waters van Godse woord. We are in the Christmas season of Advent, a season practiced by Roman Catholics and some Protestant religions. Today I want to ask the question, what is Advent? Before we get into today's topic, let's just start the right way in a word of prayer. Our Lord, we thank you for your beautiful gift of Christmas. We thank you for your Son, born to save us. We pray, Lord, as we look today at this thing called Advent, that you'll help us understand the huge truth behind it and that you would grow us on the inside today. All of this we ask through Jesus' name, for your glory, Father. Amen. So, Advent, staan bekend as komps, of naderende komps. If you ask the ordinary Christian what Advent season is about, I think they would say that it is a period of preparation for Christmas. The same way that Lent is known as a period of preparation for remembering and celebrating the death and resurrection of Christ at Easter time. Maybe that's because Advent is the four weeks before Christmas. I always used to understand it to be a period of preparation for remembering and celebrating the birth of the baby Jesus. However, while this is true, it is only half the truth. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming, die komps of naderende komps. The scriptures speak of the coming of Christ in two ways. Christ came to this world the first time in his incarnation and birth, sy menswording and geboorte. Galatians 4 from verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, the apostles speak of this as his appearing to Timothy 1.10 or his manifestation 1 Timothy 3.16. This is the first coming of Christ. But of course, there is a second coming. Jesus spoke of the future coming. Die woord daarvoor, parousia. Parousia, P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. The parousia of the Son of Man. In Matthew 24, verse 37. For... As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming 
of the Son of Man. I just want to share a couple of thoughts on this quickly. There is no exact time known for his parousia, his second coming. The signs will point to his coming, but when it will be, only the Father knows. Acts 1 verse 7. It sounds strange that the Son does not know about it either, because we know that the Son is also God after all. This is one of the wonders of his unfathomable person. Jesus is a man of mystery. As man, he does not know the day and hour either. Just as his whole life on earth was led by the Father, so also where he is in glory in heaven, he is completely surrendered to the Father. He doesn't know the day of the second coming. Amazing, eh? Even if the day and hour are not known, the circumstances that announce his coming are known. His coming will resemble what was going on in the days of Noah. There seemed to be no problems, everyone living their own life. And that life came to an abrupt end with the flood. The flood was, just like the great tribulation will be, a judgment of God over the whole earth. Just before the flood, the earth was full of people of whom the Lord says here that they ate and drank and married and were giving in marriage. Now those things in themselves are not wrong. But what was wrong is that their whole life was lived without any thought of God whatsoever. The people's way of life made them blind to the coming judgment. No matter how Noah preached, see 2 Peter 2 verse 5, they did not allow themselves to be persuaded, but lived on regardless. Their horizon did not go beyond what they saw. God was completely out of the picture. Now, you and I know that our world is becoming more and more godless. Serving him did not occur to them. They were blinded so much by the pursuit of pleasure. But the judgment came and took them all away. What they did not want to talk about or think about came anyway. You can avoid God, but God won't avoid you. Then it was too late for all except Noah and his family who were safe from judgment in the ark. The judgment that comes will work to separate men who are working in the field. Working is a good thing, but those who only work for a good life will be taken away by judgment. He who looks forward to the coming of the Messiah will be left behind and may enter the kingdom of peace.
This separation also exists between two women who are working on the same task. One does it only for herself, the other because she lives for the Lord. Are you living for the Lord and his kingdom? Or are you living for you and your little kingdom? Guess which one is going to last? The message from the Lord is that they must watch because it is not known exactly on which day their Lord will come. Now quickly, not only the last day when Jesus comes, when is your last day? There will be one morning when you wake up dead. Or for say no. Are you ready? If they watch every day, they will be ready for his coming every day. He wants them to understand the importance of being full on, on God, vigilant, keeping watch. If somebody knew exactly what time a thief would come to break in, he wouldn't sleep. This attention must be continuous. Therefore, our attention must not be slackened. A thief always comes at the moment when it is not suspected, when attention is waning. Now that is not allowed. As believers, we must be ready without dozing off. The apostles referred to it as another appearing of Christ at the end time. Colossians 3, 4, 1 Peter 5, 4. Now, these two comings, the first coming and the second, they are contrasted and yet connected. They are contrasted in the manner of his coming. His first coming, in many ways, was hidden and silent. Um, as the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, puts it, how silently, how silently, this wondrous gift is given. Well, let's uh, listen to a bit of music and then we'll talk further. Welcome back. You are now still here by the water gehad op Unlock Radio. Ek is Peter Warren en vandag vraag ons die vraag Wat is hierdie Advent? Wat is Advent all about? Well die woord, die woord Advent kom van die Latijnse woord aankomst Adventus Het beteken kom of naderkomst Die skrif praat op twee maniere van die komst van Christus Christus het die eerste keer na hierdie wereld gekom as die baba van Bethlehem. Maar wanneer hy weer kom, kom hy as die rechtverdige rechter op die witperd. Jo, om slechts aan Christus eerste komst een nederigheid tijdens Advent te dank en nie aan sy tweede komst een heerlijkheid nie, is om die boeken van die evangelie te ontkoppel. Dit is om die einde van ons verlossing te verwaardeloos en so die begin van ons verlossing 
te ontken. Dit het net half om advent te vier. Gelukkig maak ons advent gesange en kerstliedere sluit hulle aan by wat ons geneig is om te sky. Luister nou hier, both comings. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Not in that poor lowly stable with the oxen standing by, we shall see him, but in heaven set at God's right hand on high, where like stars his children crowned, all in white shall wait around. En dis, geliefde, hierdie advent tyd, laat ons nie sky wat God in sy evangelie saamgevoeg het nie. Die eerste en die tweede komst. Mag die Heere jou blij maak, tydens hierdie herdenking van die geboorte van sy enigste Seen, Jesus Christus, dat, terwijl jy hom met blijdschap aanneem as jou verloser, jy mag hom met seker vertrouwen aanskou, wanneer hy kom om ons rechter te wees. Amen en Amen. Kom ons luister een beetje muziek, dan gesels ons verder oor hierdie advent. Welcome back to the Watering Hole. I'm Peter Warren and we are talking about Advent. What does it mean to us today? We ended the first segment by saying first come, Christ's first coming was in many ways hidden and silent. But not so Christ's second coming. It will be public and it will be loud. Charles Wesley wrote to him, Lo, he comes with clouds descending. And in there there's a line that says, Every eye shall now behold him, robed in dreadful majesty. How's every eye going to see him when he comes? Well, I think probably on satellite TV, on CNN, and Fox News, and BBC News. How? How else? If he came the first time in quiet humility to the few, he will come the second time in a loud, rapturous glory to the many. If in the first coming, he was wrapped in little baby swaddling clothes, and attended by animals. In the second, he will be wrapped in blinding light and attended by angels. Yeah. In his first coming, 
He was seen in a little lowly manger by the wise men. In his second coming, he will be seen on an exalted throne by the multitudes, high and lifted up. Yo, Gonakipits, we shall say. What a day and it was. Wow. And the signs are there, eh? Although we said these two comings of Christ are contrasted yet connected, they are also connected in such a way that they cannot be separated. They are connected in the way that they bookend Christ's redemptive work. In his first coming, Christ came to inaugurate his kingdom. And he came to save his people. Mark 1.15, he said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. The first thing Christ does here is preach the gospel. We know that in his service, the power of his words is always demonstrated. We notice when his word says, follow me, that word walks, works, and four disciples follow him immediately. Then he teaches the people with authority. He also speaks with authority, and an unclean spirit comes out. And many times, the thing is, when Christ speaks, things happen. He preaches that the kingdom of God is at hand, as he saw. For he, the king of that kingdom, presents himself, the Quinnung self. But we will see that the public power of the kingdom is postponed because the king was rejected. In this world, the reign of Satan is very visible. But even now, in the time in which we live, there is already an area where Christ is Lord and Master. This is the kingdom of God in its hidden form. Although the kingdom is not yet visible, it is present in the hearts of those who accept Christ as the Lord of their lives. Romans fourteen, seventeen. The content of the Lord's preaching is no different from that of John the Baptist. The time has come for the kingdom of God to be established because the king is present. To enter the kingdom, conversion, bekering and faith in the gospel are necessary. That its outward power cannot come but will be delayed is because the preacher is rejected. But that is not yet the case here. The Lord begins by preaching the good news that God is introducing his kingdom, submitting everything to the authority of his Son.
Those who repent will experience that God turns everything for the eternal good of those who believe. In his first coming, Christ also came to secure redemption for his people. So he came to establish, to launch, inaugurate his kingdom. But he also came to secure redemption for his people. John 6.39 Now this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose one person of every one he has given me, but raise them all up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, for everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him to have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, beloved, what Christ began to do in his first coming, the launch of the kingdom and redemption of his people, what he began to do in his first coming, he will return to complete in his second coming. The kingdom was only provisionally realized. The kingdom came, is coming, and will fully come when he comes back. The redemption was only partially applied in the first coming. The consummation of the kingdom will only be fully realized and the completion of redemption will only be fully applied in Christ's second coming. We can read 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 and Philippians 1 verse 6. Let's just look at them quickly. The full and final consummation of the kingdom. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus who is going to judge the living and the dead and by his appearance and his kingdom. The way Paul relates Christ Jesus and God with each other in this verse indicates that Christ is God. When then three things of Christ are said that have to do with the fact that he became man. First of all, he is to judge the living and the dead. That judgment is given to him because he is the Son of Man. John five twenty seven. Then he will visibly appear as man. And finally, he will establish fully his kingdom. He will execute the judgment over the living and the dead at different times and at different occasions. He will judge the living when he has appeared on earth and is seated on the throne of his glory. The nations living on earth will be, appear before him and be judged by him. Matthew 25, 31-46 He will judge the dead when he is seated on the great white throne after his millennial kingdom, his thousand-year kingdom. 
You read that in Revelation 20, verse 11 and 12. It's quite good, Speak stuff. You and I are part of something that is way bigger than us and that will last forever. Ons gaan nou voort met nog muziek en dan gesels ons verder. Welkom terug by die watergaat. Ek is Peter Warren en jy is ingeskakel op Unlock Radio. Today we are talking about Advent. What does it mean to us? in this day and age. I want to read again 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the message, be ready, whether it is convenient or not, reprove, rebuke, Exhort with complete patience and instruction. Our beloved, there are events mentioned in these verses. First, the Lord Jesus will appear on earth. Second, he will then judge the living, seated on the throne of his glory. Then he will establish his kingdom and will reign for a thousand years. After that, being seated on the great white throne, he will judge the dead. And the last part is on ourselves. We must preach this message, whether it is convenient or not. We need to reprove, that means correct, we need to rebuke, we need to encourage, exhort with complete patience and correct teaching. We can't just sit around and wait. We have serious work to do. For the sake of completeness, I want to mention here quickly another judgment that also takes place earlier than both of these that I mentioned, namely directly after the rapture of the church. It's first the rapture. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Read these things carefully again. Get this sorted in your mind. There, at this judgment, the reward is being paid to the believer according to the measure of faithfulness with which he served the Lord on earth. That is not about judgment. That is about rewards. As it is said, the charging before the face of two divine persons and the three events to come underline how serious the gravity of the order that must be fulfilled. But it also includes a great encouragement. And that is that you may know that the hard times 
will come to an end when the Lord Jesus, who is still being rejected, will return in power and majesty. The thought of his coming to judge makes you free from people and delivers you from the fear of men. Now, as regards the full and final completion of the redemption of all his people, Philippians 1 verse 6, For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen to it in the Passion Translation. I pray with great faith for you, because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are still a work in progress. We are still under construction. Don't beat yourself up. Just confess your sins. Dust yourself off. Get back in the fight. Paul is realistic enough to see that the Philippians have not yet arrived, but must go ahead, away still, a further distance. But he has full confidence in them and sees the end ahead with joy. Do you see that? The fruit witnessed in their life was the result of the good work God worked in them. He gave them confidence for the future. He knew that God would continue his work in them and complete it. That completion will take place for them and for you and for me and for all believers on the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Christ is the day when Christ would appear in his glory. The whole Christian life spans between two days. The first day, Philippians 1.5, and the day of Christ. The first day is the beginning of the race, the day on which they and we heard the gospel and accepted it. The day of Christ is the period when Christ will openly take control over the world. Psalm 2 2 verse 8 For us that day begins when the believers shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 and 17. After which we will immediately appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 Then we will look back upon our life with the eyes of the Lord and arrive at the same judgment as His. We will be like Him. 1 John 3.2 Then God's work in us 
will have been completed. So what Christ began to do in his first coming, he will return to complete in his second coming. The two comings of Christ are thus distinct but inseparable. So I challenge you now, meditate on Christ's second coming. And this is where observing Advent correctly can help us. In its fullest sense, Advent is a season to meditate on the second coming of Christ while we consider his first coming. They cannot be separated. And we are in the middle of the two. Like more might on a sandwich. As we come to pray now, I want to encourage you, never mind where you are, where you're at. Really, come on now. If you honestly call out to God, stop fighting Him, surrender control. He will reach out, He'll meet you where you're at. At your point of failure, your point of need, even your point of success and joy. And He will help you further on your road. But you need to allow Him you need to invite him, you need to allow him, you need to listen very carefully to every single word he says and you need to obey everything he tells you immediately and fully. My challenge to you, do you believe that you can pray now and your life will change? I believe that. I've spent over 40 years in the full-time ministry I have seen people pray. I have prayed. A simple prayer. Man and God moves, eh? Come on. Let your faith rise this morning. Join it to mine. Let's join our little bit of faith together. And trust God. Make a life-changing decision. Right here, right now. Invite the Lord into your circumstances to come and help you. Ask Him to help you. And most of all, thank him for what he is going to do. I remind you, as I do in every message, you are not designed to be defeated by life and to be just yet another throwaway person. No, you're not designed to die forever separated from God. Man, you were designed for a victorious life and an eternity of joy in the presence of God. Jy is vir oorwinning ontwerp. Kom en luister nog muziek, en dan gaan ons bid. Now, Holy Spirit, as we come to pray, I ask please that you help us Come and help us to be brave and strong. Give us what we need to fulfill these decisions that we want to make. My friend, you may have heard this message now on the first and second coming of Jesus. Maybe you don't understand it. It's a very... This is heaven stuff, eh? This is big stuff. It's very hard to understand it.
mysteries of God. But maybe you just feel in your heart that your life is not right with God and you want to make right. Well, you can start that process today. It's a process. It's a matter of the heart, so there's no formula. I won't put words into your mouth. But you do need to talk to God about your past life. The Bible says you need to believe that he came to die for your sins and that God raised him from the dead and that he is coming again. And you need to confess with your mouth. You need to say out loud, Jesus is Lord. You need to confess him as Lord and you will be saved. And it's a it's a thing that you can do. But you can say to him things like, Lord, I have lived my life the wrong way because I didn't know the right way. Will you please forgive me all my sins, all my wrongdoings, and wash me clean of all unrighteousness. Make me right with Father God today. Make me right with you. I forgive those people who have sinned against me and done wrong against me. I forgive myself for the way I responded to those hard knocks of life. I ask Jesus, will you please forgive me all my sins. Forgive me also for the times that have accused you of wrongdoing when you've never done anything wrong. I let those people go now that have spoken against me and done me wrong. I release them from those things. I release myself. Jesus, will you please come and heal my heart, heal my life from those things. Come into my life now as my King, as my Savior, as my Lord, as my Master. I want to be ready for your second coming. But until then, I want to live the life that you have purposed for me. I ask you to restore to me the identity and the destiny that you've always had for me. By faith now, I receive my forgiveness. I receive my salvation. I receive my adoption into the family of God as a child of God. And I receive restoration of my identity and my destiny. Will you please connect me to the right people that can lead me further down this road? And will you please forgive me? Disconnect me from the wrong people. Thank you, Lord. And now to all of us, if there's something I've said in this message on Advent, I thought Advent was just some churchy thing, but man, it's such a big truth, eh? That we are sandwiched between the two comings. That we are sandwiched 
between the two comings. Sure. Thank you, Lord. Would you please come and help us? Holy Spirit, would you please come and help us to meditate on this truth? Lord, as we consider your first coming, so quiet to just a few, but your next one is going to be deafening. It's going to be on worldwide TV somehow. I don't know how they're going to see you all around the world at the right same time. Lord, I want to be ready. I want you to show me in my life the things that you are not happy with. And I ask you to help me get rid of them from my life. I ask you to show me the things that are missing from my life that you want to see in my life. And I ask you to impart to me now, empower me to put those things in place. Holy Spirit, please come now. Thank you that you do. Minister to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Amen. Das ist geliebte. Flight, flight, my story is weer uit. Dankie weer eens vir die keier. By die water gaat. Nogal een lekker koelerige ochend vir ochend. Bikkie winkie van die water af. The wind of the Holy Spirit blowing off the Word of God into your heart. Isn't that lovely, hey? The breath of God. The Ruach HaKodesh. Wind of God. To the following year, be richly blessed. Start it all. And remember, the last chapter of your life is being authored by you yourself. Jees Kruifom. En onthou, daar is een roepstem van Jesus na jou. The two paths. The one leads to heaven and the other na die hel. Jylle moet kies, jylle moet kies. God bless you beautiful people.